Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. You're listening to All the Books, a weekly show of recommendations and enthusiasm regarding this week's new book releases. This is episode one, and today we're talking about new books released on May 12th, 2015. I'm Liberty Hardy, here with my fellow well redhead, Rebecca Shinsky, and we're coming to you from bookriot.com. Rebecca, here we go. Here we are. It's our first show together. I'm so excited. Me too. You've been with us at Book Riot since the very beginning, pretty much. Pretty much. And it's, it's impossible to imagine a book riot life without you. So I'm glad that now our podcast listeners get to meet you. Uh, and you've been writing a newsletter for us for about six months, right? Every week called New Books. Yep. Yep. Covering all kinds of different genres, different books, all the hot new stuff in the book world. And so that's what we're going to do here each week as well. But they're in person, sort of. Yeah. In your head, in your ears. <laughs> Magically through the internet. Um, We're going to do a handful of books every week, as many as we can pack in to our half hour. And we're going to talk about everything, right? There's no reason not to. And you read read everything. And especially you read everything. Liberty won't brag about herself. And so I will brag for her uh, that she reads more books than any human that I know of. Uh, And there is just so much great bookish information and excitement in her brain. And we're going to bring it to you. That's what they told me when the mothership dropped me off. (laughs) They said, learn as much as you can. Liberty's brain dump just didn't make as elegant of a title for a podcast. No, no, it's not not a very good one. (laughs) So with that, let's get to all the books and our first picks. Absolutely. Uh, I think it's me. Oh, I get to go first. It's your show, lady. I'm excited. Uh, I'm going to kick off our first recommendation on our first show with a first book. This is a debut book called Luckiest Girl Alive by Jessica Newell. Uh, It was pitched to me as being comparable to Gone Girl, and it's certainly as compelling to read, but there are no twisty twists. It's more of a dark, straightforward mystery with a perfectly plotted reveal. Luckiest Girl Alive is about a young woman named Annie who seemingly has it all. She's got a glamorous job at a magazine, she's absolutely gorgeous, and she has a very handsome, successful fiancé. But inside, she's a mess. She's just barely holding on. It has to do with traumatic events that happened to her as a teenager. Mm. Uh, She's kind of reinvented herself and left those years behind, but now she's been asked to participate in a documentary about an incident that took place at her school, and having to relive it it is causing her to question everything about herself. Uh, The book alternates chapters back and forth between present day and her high school years, and I think Noel does a really great job capturing contemporary high school life and issues, uh, as well as keeping you guessing right up until the end. I didn't expect it to end the way it did, and I really liked that. I like being surprised. Um, she, it's very much like Megan Abbott, who's, Ooh. and speaking of Megan Abbott, her amazing novel, The Fever, is out in paperback today. Oh, uh, I see what you did there. Yeah, but uh, she, Noel, made me really happy um, that I do not have to relive my high school days. <laughs> no kidding. Like, I'm so glad that they're long behind me, 
And I'm so happy to relive high school on the page, but just never, ever again. Never. Not for, for real. anything. No. <laughs> um, and Lionsgate and Reese Witherspoon have already snatched this up. And oh. she's going to produce, at least produce. I don't know if she'll be in it. That's so cool. She did great. She things. did a great job. With, she did a great thing with Wild. Yeah. Reese Witherspoon is a real reader. That's, she, yeah. That's so cool. So my first pick is maybe the polar opposite of Luckiest Girl Alive. <laughs> it's not dark or scary or makes you hate your teenage years at all. Uh, it's perfect and delightful and a fun, fun read. It's called Nimona by Noelle Stevenson. Yes. It's a, oh, it's so good. Uh, this is a debut graphic novel that Stevenson originally wrote as a webcomic. Um, and so this is the webcomic collected in book form, but for the very first time, the real ending of the story is revealed. So if you were in the lucky people that caught on to this early and followed the webcomic, you're still going to get something new in the book. Uh, it's about a girl named Nimona who is a shapeshifter and she presents herself. They, they live in this kingdom of like old fashioned, you know, knights and ladies and dragons. And Nimona presents herself to Lord Ballister Blackheart, who's like the designated villain in the town. Um, she wants to be his sidekick apprentice sort of thing. And she, she can turn herself into all kinds of creatures. So Nimona and Lord Ballister Blackheart are going up against Sir Ambrosia's golden loin. <laughs> Which has to be the best character name in recent literary history. Agreed. And Sir Ambrosius Goldenloin is the designated, like, white knight, good knight, um, supposedly defending the kingdom. But uh, Nimona and Ballister Blackheart are on to some evidence that Ambrosius Goldenloin and his buddies at the Institution of Law Enforcement and Heroics, which is a thing, are not actually heroes, but they're doing nefarious things to the people of the kingdom. So they're going to shapeshift and undertake mischief to prove this. I read the book in one sitting on like a sunny Saturday afternoon. It's so fun and lighthearted, but also really smart and gets right to that good versus evil thing, but also all the shades of it. Um, there's science, there's symbolism, there's feminism in it. This is a great story for younger readers in your life. Um, you can comfortably give it to like a 10 year old child, but also there will be in jokes and cultural references that are winking sorts of things for adult readers, stuff like the joke about Sir Ambrosius Goldenloin. Um, I think it's one of the best graphic novels of the year and just a total delight. Absolutely. I agree 100%. She's so fantastic. Noelle Stevenson, her Twitter feed is fantastic. Lumberjanes is amazing. Ugh. Lumberjanes. You know, that's just like the best comic today, really. It's so good. It, yeah. And so Nimona is definitely worth picking up. And I think if you've never read a graphic novel or you have a kid in your life that wants to get into comics, this is a good way to do it, too. It's a perfect start. And that brings us to our first sponsor of what I hope will be many, many shows. And it is Audible. Audible has over 180,000 audiobook titles for you to choose from. They have fiction, memoir, mystery, business, young adult, old adult, which is something I just <laughs> made up, but they probably have it because they have everything. And unlike a streaming or rental service, with Audible, you own your own books. You can download and listen to books on all kinds of devices, your Android, your iPhone, iPod, Kindle Fire, Windows Phone, and I believe also over 500 MP3 players. And Audible is perfect for the downtimes, like when you're doing chores or walking your dog or on your commute to work. 
Um, I'm not sure when your downtime is, but uh, my work commute is about 20 steps from the living room to my office upstairs. But I do live by a drawbridge, and I often have to wait there for long periods of time in my car. And Audible is perfect for such occasions. You can go to audibletrial.com slash bookriot right now for a free 30-day trial to get started. It's that easy, and to sweeten the pot, they'll give you a free audiobook. We'd love it if you'd check it out because it supports the show. So go to audibletrial.com slash bookriot for a free audiobook and trial and let them know we sent you. I just want you to know that because I am a child of the 80s, I really wanted to say, tell them Large Marge sent you, but I fought it. I fought it for you. <laughs> You're so good to me and to our listeners. Yeah. Uh, Moving I, on. I just, Ooh. yeah, I, I would just say I love Audible so much and I'm going to try to shout out new audiobook releases as much as I can on the show. This one isn't new for the 12th, but it's relatively new and I'm listening to it now. Um, John Krakauer, who's a noted journalist, has a new book out called Missoula that's about rape and the justice system uh, in a small town in Missoula, Montana, where he looks at the more than 250 sexual assaults that were reported in the town just in a four year period. And then he uses that as the lens onto a larger exploration of what's really going on uh, with the state of sexual violence in America and uh, how underreported it is and how is it handled by law enforcement? How is it mishandled by law enforcement? Uh, it's a really difficult thing to listen to, but very worthwhile. Um, I'm finding for me and the audiobook reader, the narrator of it is really excellent. So if you're looking for a way to start your audiobook listening, when you go to audibletrial.com slash book riot, you might give that one a shot. John Krakauer is fantastic. He's so good. He's so good. He's really good. All right. So more new books. More new books. Uh, my next pick is called Almost Crimson by Dasha Kelly. Uh, I am a huge fan, as you know, of indie publishers. We love indie publishers. And Curbside Splendor is one of the best. This is their newest release, and it's about a woman named Cece who is trying to break free of the poverty and codependency she grew up with. It's told in alternating chapters— the first book I mentioned. Basically, every book I talk about today has alternating oh, chapters. I love that. That's like one of my kryptonites, too, in fiction, is those rotating chapter narrative things. It's, it's a great device. Um, uh, this shows Cece as a sweet little girl when she's uh, trying to take care of herself and her mother, who suffers from this crippling depression that Cece calls the sads. She's just, mm. She has very few up moments. Mostly, Cece just takes care of them in this apartment, in this building where they live with several unusual neighbors. Uh, Cece is only five, but she takes care of everything until one day a social services worker shows up and explains that she's going to have to go to school now, uh, which mm. she's kind of, you know, she doesn't know if she's excited about that or not because she doesn't want to leave her mom. And then later on, we get to meet Cece as a grown-up, and she's moved out, and she's trying to work her way up to her job, but her mother is still a mess, and she's dragging her down, and Cece is struggling to get out from underneath her. Um, it's just, it's really heartbreaking, but the language is beautiful, especially the parts when Cece is little. Um, her mother is in a really rough way, and her taking care of her is just so sweet and just, ugh, mm. ugh. Would you Would you call it coming of age? Or it, no, I don't know if I, if I would because the years jump ah. so much between the two, you know. And she's so young at the beginning, you know. And she's only five, so. Mm. Um, but did you ever see the um, Girl on a Wire documentary about Philippe Petit who walked between the World Trade Center? Oh yeah, right? yeah. So you know what I'm saying to you? Like you, ex you will understand when I explain how I was watching that documentary. 
And he himself is talking about the time that he spent up on the wire. But then when they show him on the wire, you're like, he's going to fall and die. He's he's going to fall <laughs> and die. He absolutely is. Even though your brain is like, he's narrating the film. And that <laughs> is how I felt about the parts when Cece was young. Like, even though her oh. mother is in the parts when she's older, I kept thinking, like, she's something horrible. She's going to die. Something horrible is going to happen. Like, she's going to die. It was that intense. And uh, it was just, it was a really vivid book. It was very graceful, and I highly recommend it. That's good fiction. Yes. I'm going into good nonfiction now, and I don't know if there's a nonfiction title this year that's more in my wheelhouse than this one is. I don't think Uh, so. Right. Uh, It's Bourbon Empire by Reed Meidenbuehler. Bueller? Bueller? I'm not sure. We'll just... Bueller? Bueller. Uh, (laughs) Bourbon Empire by Reed Meiden Bueller. Uh, It's about the history of bourbon, which is supposedly America's signature liquor. Uh, This starts with a look at the 1964 legislation that marked bourbon as special. um, And the language of that has been exaggerated over the years, of course, by bourbon manufacturers and by the giant liquor distributors that benefit from it. So it starts out with kind of a nitty gritty look at um, rather than the glamour that whiskey has in American culture, how did it get there? And why do we think of bourbon? as special. Um, There's really fascinating information about how the recipes for bourbon um, were shaped by the changing shape of the American frontier. The, The primary ingredient of bourbon is corn, and that you know, was a thing that was more readily available in America than it was in other parts of the world. So like settlers come to America, they discover corn, they start distilling corn into liquor, because that's what you do when you move to a new place is figure out how to distill the stuff that grows there into things that you can drink and mess yourself up. First thing. (laughs) Priorities. Uh, And it's really fascinating. Like it's history and it's uh, it's sort of it's a micro history, I guess, is the perfect term for it. But um, in the context of larger American history and there's I live in Richmond, Virginia. So there's a really great story about how the first bourbon supposedly was distilled here in Virginia near Jamestown by Captain George Thorpe, who lived on an old plantation and distilled bourbon before there were recipes, before there were regulations about how you had to make bourbon in order to be able to officially call it bourbon. Um, And, you know, for a long time, Kentucky got all the glory about bourbon. Uh, But now we know that it started in Virginia. I'm proud of my state. Uh, And uh, Maiden Bueller goes into like a bunch of the fake backstories for the different brands of bourbon, the sort of like rugged American frontierness that shows up on bourbon labels when most of those bourbons are made by huge companies uh, and sort of the comparisons and contrasts between the big movement towards craft and towards like small batch that's happening in beer and how that is similar, but also really different from what's happening in uh, in drinking culture with bourbon now. I'm a big bourbon fan. Uh, I was so excited when the galley of this showed up at my house and it's been great. Like you just come sometimes never know about a deep history into one thing if it's going to be that interesting. But Maiden Bueller is hitting a button or Bueller. I don't know. I'm sorry, sir. I'm messing up your name. Um, he hits a bunch of interesting points. We get American history. We get sort of cocktail history. We get how bourbon is made, how it used to be made, how the regulations were shaped by different people's interests and different groups' interests. I don't know. I totally love it. Uh, so that's Bourbon Empire by Reed Meidenbuehler. I love a micro history. I just, me too. They're so much fun. Yeah. Did you read Consider the Fork? 
No, what's that? Oh, it's by B. Wilson, which is has to be one of the best names uh, for an author ever. But it's a micro history of silverware and how we eat and how the ways that we cook and eat and the utensils that we use to cook and eat uh, were shaped by like evolution and by cultural history and how they how the ways that we cook and eat continue to shape the cultural the culture you know kind of in a circle Uh, it's really fascinating that's awesome so basically Mm -hmm. like the fork started out as a little baby fork with one prong and it has grown into four prongs it crawled out of the primordial ooze and it grew some extra prongs. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. It's great. Uh, what's next for you? My next pick is called How to Start a Fire by Elisa Lutz. And you might recognize her name. She wrote The Spellman Files. Have you oh, heard yeah, of The Spellman yeah. Files? Mm-hmm. Those are mm-hmm. a really fun series of mysteries about a dysfunctional family of private investigators. Uh, they've been around for a long time, and and they all have like crazy neon covers. Yeah, they, they have like they have like a whole new series of covers now, but they're still equally as awesome. Uh, this is not a Spellman book; it's not in the uh, series. Um, How to Start a Fire is a standalone. Um, and I apologize; I read this back in the fall, so hopefully I remember all the details correctly. But one thing I know for sure is that I loved it. Uh, it's about three women who meet in college and become inseparable. But then they drift apart because of an incident that takes place uh, when they've graduated and it shapes them in very different ways. And uh, instead of the alternating chapters, which we love, uh, this is uh, told in like a shifting timeline, which jumps maybe a year or it'll jump 10 years and then it'll go back a year or 20 years. Um, but it's not it's not hard to follow at all. It's it's a really cool plot device. Um, and and really impressive. Um, when I was reading it, I wondered if she wrote it all in chronological order and then went back and broke it into these little pieces and shifted them Ooh. around, or if she just wrote it this way, like if she wrote, you know, this year, and now we're going to go back to this year. Um, and someday, if I ever get the time, I'd like to go back and read it in chronological order, like try to read it and see if it would hold up. I bet it would. That's such an interesting project. I've never thought about doing... I love the shifted time narrative thing, too, but I've never thought about going back and trying to reorder the chapters into their chronological occurrence. Yeah, because, you know, we have so much free time. We should, <laughs> we should do this. When you have to read all the books, it's hard to read one book more than once. It is. It is. So uh, what do you have for us next? Oh, next. Let's see. Well, we have our next sponsor for this show. is is Scribd. Scribd is a subscription book service that gives you unlimited access to a library of more than half a million ebooks, audiobooks, and comics. So just about anything you could want to taste, you could taste it at Scribd. If you go to Scribd, it's S-C-R-I-B-D.com slash book riot, you'll get started with a free month. After that, it's $8.99 a month, just $8.99 a month for unlimited access to ebooks, audiobooks, and comics. They have stuff from major houses like HarperCollins, Simon and Schuster, Houghton Mifflin Harcourt, and the small presses that you love so much, Liberty, like McSweeney's, Counterpoint, Tin House, and so many more. They've worked with all these publishers also to come up with curated lists, and the editors at Scribd really know what they're doing. So you can poke around forever on the Scribd app, looking at curated lists by theme, by different topics you might be into, and to build your reading list. And as you go, you'll be able to rate the books. And then as you rate the books, Scribd's magical algorithms will recommend things to you based on what you liked, but also on what you didn't like. So it'll pay attention if you give something one star, and then it will give you stuff that's not 
like that so that you don't have that experience again. Um, I love these subscription services because it makes it so easy to test out new kinds of books or to explore stuff that you're not sure about reading. Um, When I first started really reading romance, I was using subscription services to do it because there's no risk. Like you've already paid whatever you're going to pay for the month. In this case, at scribd.com slash book riot, you'll get a free month. If you read 10 pages and you hate it or you read 50 pages like the good Nancy Pearl rule and you hate it, you can stop and you didn't lose anything. You just move on to the next book and there's half a million of them there to choose from. It's so it's just so amazing. Um, We mentioned Lumberjanes by Noel Stevenson at the top of the show. That's available on Scribd, so you can check that out. Some of my favorite books by James Salter, uh, Romance by Sarah McLean, just tons of things are there. And pretty soon, we'll have a list available for you at Scribd.com slash Book Riot of our favorite titles that are also in Scribd. But especially as we go into summer and you're loading up, you're running to load up your e-reader with stuff to take as you travel or you lay by the pool or you're watching your kids at soccer practice or whatever. Um, I think a subscription service, especially when you can combine ebooks, audiobooks, and comics is just a great thing to have. So we are so appreciative of Scribd for sponsoring this show. And when you go to Scribd.com slash Book Riot, you'll get your free one month trial. It will also let them know that you came from us and that'll keep our lights on, which will make us happy. It will make us happy. Okay. Do I have the next book pick too? You do. And it makes me very happy. Oh, it's so good. So this was one of my favorite books of last year, and it's out in paperback this week. It's called Everything I Never Told You by Celeste Ng, that's spelled N-G. It opens with the teenage daughter of a family turning up dead. So like that happens on page one. It's not a spoiler. Uh, The girl's name is Lydia Lee. She is a teenager. And I'm totally just butchering this pitch for it. So (laughs) pretend that that didn't happen. Lydia Lee turns up dead and the story sort of rewinds back to how did this happen and what led up to her death? It's not a who done it. It's more of a how done it or why done it question. Um, it's set in a small Ohio town in the seventies. Lydia's mother is white. Her father is Chinese American and it's a look at their family. It's a look at her parents' marriage, at what it's like to be an outsider in a mostly white community. Um, Lydia's mom made a choice to give up her career in order to be a mother and to focus on their family. So there was intense pressure on Lydia to succeed in school, to go on, and to become a doctor to sort of help her mother vicariously fulfill her own dreams. And that's a lot of pressure. So we find out about Lydia's experience of those things, but we also find out about her parents' relationship from the time they met and how it evolved and changed um, throughout their marriage and through the growth of their family in ways both positive and negative. I mean, this is such a sensitively told story. And it's also such a page turner. I I also read this one in one sitting and just could not stop wanting to know more about how this family worked and Ng's insight into motherhood and identity and that tension between doing for yourself and fulfilling your own dreams, but being selfless for the people that you love. And also what it's like to be a teenager and to feel all that pressure from all the different sides um, of fitting in at school, of making friends, of succeeding and, you know, fulfilling your parents' ambitions for you. It's so, so, so smart. If you're looking for a book club book for the summer, you couldn't do better. 
Yeah. And, and a paperback is perfect for that. It's perfect for throwing in your tote bag to take to the pool or whatever. I mean, I don't think you need a reason to read a book this good. You should just read it. I was so excited to see she made pretty much every end of the year list last year. Yeah. You know, it was really great. It's just and it fantastic. Was, I, I know. I can't remember who at Book Riot. I think we actually had a little battle over who was going to get to pick it as their favorite book of the year last year. But it was definitely several people's favorite or right up in their top favorite from Book Riot and certainly worth it. Again, that's everything I never told you. What do you have? You're next, lady. I am. Uh, and I'm happy to inform you. Uh, this There is a new Jim Shepard novel, which should be enough to make everyone just run out and, and get it, just me saying new Jim Shepard novel. But unfortunately, he is not as widely known as he deserves to be. I hope that changes. Um, I don't know Jim Shepard. Yeah, see, so there are readers who read everything like you and me, and we have those authors that we absolutely love and we can't wait to read and freak out every time they have a new book out. Well, Jim Shepard is the guy who the authors that we love freak out about. Like he's oh. he's the guy on the poster that those authors have hanging in their bedrooms. Like so, is he like a writer's writer? He is a writer's writer. He is like at the very top. Um, there have been a couple of astounding writers writers over the last few years uh, who are relatively unknown in the mainstream and are finally getting their time in the spotlight, like Kelly Link and George Saunders. And I'm really hoping that Jim Shepard is next because everyone should read him. Um, his new book is called The Book of Aaron. It's Aaron spelled A-R-O-N. Um, it's not a book about Elvis, for those of you who know Elvis Presley trivia. It's actually a much, much more serious book. It's about a young boy named Aaron whose family is driven from the Polish countryside by the Germans. Uh, they're forced to move into Warsaw, where they suffer immensely. Um, Aaron is the narrator, and he tells the story of how he ends up at an orphanage after he loses his family. Um, I don't want to get all choked up telling you more, so I will just say uh, there will never cease to be an abundance of World War II novels, especially if they are as inspiring, as incredible as The Book of Aaron. Oh, I saw a headline yesterday, call it a masterpiece, and it sounds like that's not hyperbole. No, no, he's ridiculously good. Well, hopefully this will be his big break. We can so. send Jim Shepard a letter and tell him that we talked about him on a brand new podcast. Yeah, we can draw. <laughs> I'm going to have to read it. that I, since I don't know him. I didn't know that it was a World War II novel, and war novels are one of those things that I never expected to love, but that I pretty much always do love them. So I'm going to have to check that out. Did you read the Anthony Door? All the light we I cannot didn't. see. That's okay. So if we can have a moment for my weird readerly neurosis, if I miss a book that breaks really big, if I don't read it early enough, when there's a ton of buzz, I can't do it. I have to wait like a year until the buzz dies down. Like I was a year late on Americana because I didn't read it early enough. And then when everybody was talking about it, it just felt like too much pressure. So I think I'm going to read All the Light We Cannot See in a year. That's understandable. I think a lot of people feel that way. Yeah, it's just like, that's a lot. And I, I don't know, I want to go into the book with my own ideas about it or with no ideas about it. I really like to not know much about a book except like the general pitch before I start reading. So I'm just going to wait until I forget until there are other books in my brain. <laughs> and then I can go to that one as a blank page. Um, Do you want to tell me a, one more? 
Yeah, I don't have a clean segue or anything snappy, so I'll just jump into it. Go for it. Um, my next pick is called Cut Me Loose, Sin and Salvation After My Ultra-Orthodox Girlhood by Leah Vincent. I haven't read this one yet. It actually just came across my doorstep. But one of the things I can't resist as a reader is what I call a losing my religion memoir. And uh, this is right in that vein, Vincent grew up in um, a very conservative Orthodox Jewish community called the Yeshivish community that shuns the modern world. And her family cut ties with her when she was 16 because she was caught exchanging letters with a boy. And their religion has a ban on contact between men and women. Um, so her family sent her to New York City to live on her own. Uh, she was just at loose ends and was engaging in risky sexual behaviors. She was harming herself. Um, so trigger warning, if you have, if you have triggers about reading, you know, sort of intense stories about uh, these kinds of personal experiences. And she's just spiraling downwards. And, uh, it, it sounds like she hits a rock bottom, but then figures out a way to transform her life into something positive. Uh, so Cut Me Loose promises to look at religious fundamentalism, at the ways that religious belief, which is you know, usually intended to help give shape and hope and, and positive meaning to people's lives can also be dangerous and detrimental and harmful. Um, and it also looks at issues that face women of all religions and all backgrounds about sexuality and identity. Um, this sounds just right up my alley. Um, I'm fascinated by different religious communities and particularly by women's experiences in them and coming out of them. So I'm going to be picking up Cut Me Loose very soon. If somebody wrote a book about losing their religion while drinking bourbon, your, your head would explode. <laughs> I know. I think maybe the closest is probably, um, oh, The Dark Path by David Schickler. So I feel good. like there's probably some bourbon in that book. Yeah. <laughs> or there should be. Um, but yeah, my head might explode. It's like if if religious person discovers bourbon and bourbon pulls them out of religion. <laughs> something. I wouldn't be able to, to hold myself back. I think that's all our new books this week, Lib. So what are you going to go read next? Uh, I'm in the middle of Juba, uh, which is by Walter Dean Myers. It's based on a real man who lived in the 18th century, I think 19th century. Oh, He's old. 1800s, one of those things. Um, he, he Anyway, it's based on a, a real guy uh, who was a dancer and a lot of our modern dance was inspired by him. Um, it's really good. It's a little sad reading it because Walter Dean Myers did die uh, last year, so it is his last novel mm. that we'll be getting from him, but it's still really exciting to be reading it. Uh, what are you going to go read? I'm in the middle of Come As You Are by Emily Nagoski, which... Oh, it's so good. She's a sex educator and sex therapist. And I'm always really skeptical. This is a thing that I read a lot about, too. And I'm always really skeptical when a book like promises to transform your understanding of sexuality. But this one really does. She looks at all of essentially the lies that culture has told us about our bodies, especially about women's bodies, and about sex and what sex should be like and how it works, and busts all of those myths with actual science about how bodies and sex do work. Um, and it's personable and accessible and really funny. Like you're not going to be bogged down in scientific terms or in details about how studies were conducted. All that information is available in the back of the book. You can go look them up if you want to. But her voice is just really great and warm. And you can tell she just cares about people and wants them to get the most out of the experiences that they have in life. Um, and there are like great pop culture references. There's a two-turn 
turntables and a microphone <laughs> where it's at Beck reference early on. And I was like, okay, this lady and I are going to be friends. Um, I'm about halfway through it. And I, you know, I have spent a lot of time reading books about sexuality and I'm learning lots. So if you're relatively new or you haven't read anything about it, but you're curious, I think there you'll find even more uh, to learn from Come As You Are. And it also has one of the best book covers in a really long time. Uh, so you can have fun reading that in public or on your e-reader if you're a little bit more bashful. But that's what I'm that's what I'm doing. I knew you would love it. It's so good. It's so good. So that's our show. That's it. We did it. We did a first it, show. My head didn't explode. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we want to thank our sponsors again for sponsoring episode one of all the books. Yay. You can go to audibletrial.com slash bookriot to get your free 30 days and your free audiobook download or scribd.com slash bookriot to get your free one month of unlimited ebook, audiobook, and comics reading. Uh, using those codes will let them know that you came from us. What else? Twitter. We love Twitter. We do. Yeah. You can find me on Twitter at Miss Liberty. That's M-I-S-S Liberty. And you? I am at Rebecca Shinsky, S-C-H-I-N-S-K-Y. You can hit up Book Riot all over social media or drop us a line at all the books at bookriot.com. Tell us about what you've read. Tell us about what you're excited about. If we got anything wrong, you can feel free to tell us that too. That's fine. And if you like the show, especially since we're getting started, you can rate or review it on iTunes to help other people find it. And then you'll be our favorite. Absolutely. Best friends. <laughs> All right. We'll talk to you next week. Bye. Bye.